Let me share how this series came to be. Now, if you've spent some time uh, around New Life Men, you've heard me talk, you've heard us talk about the importance of paying attention to what God is doing and then remaining in alignment with what God is doing, staying in alignment with the wave of the Spirit. So last year, toward the end of the year, I just spent a lot of time uh, praying and asking God, God, what are you doing in 2019 regarding the men of our church? What do you have for us? What are you about? What are you speaking over the men of, of new life? And I heard him say something clearly. He said, Gabe, I'm calling the men back to the basics. And so I started thinking about that. I started processing that and praying about that. Well, what does that mean, God? What does that look like? And so he started showing me. He started speaking some things to me. And the more I, I was listening to God about what it means to come to the, back to the basics, the more a picture became clear of a man who's rooted and anchored in Jesus. And so that's what we're going to be talking about the next three weeks. It's not going to be fancy. I'm not going to be up here juggling and trying to entertain you, thank God. We're going to be talking about the basics and, and the importance of the basics when it comes to our faith. And I think that is so powerful. I, I think no matter what area of life we're talking about, coming back to the basics is where the action is. I mean, how many Broncos fans do we have in here, right? I've been a lifelong Broncos fan. I'm still not afraid to admit that. Uh, just this week, earlier this week, my daughter, Avery, who's nine, she came out and she said, I am officially declaring myself as a Kansas City Chiefs fan. <laughs> so pray for her because she's been sleeping in the garage. Can you hear me? As a Broncos fan, I followed this transition, their, their coaching transition, really carefully. And one of the things that Vic Fangio is saying, many of you know it, what's he saying? Yep, he's saying, this is what we're going to do. We are going back to the basics. He said, we're not going to be fancy. We're not going to be cute. We're not going to cut any corners. We're going to do the basics and we're going to do them really, really well. And something in me just rose up and said, come on. That's, that's where it's at. And so when it comes to our faith, when it comes to us being men who come back to the basics, I think it looks like this. Taking our relationship with Jesus really seriously. I think it looks like us being serious about being anchored and rooted in the Word of God and the Scriptures, letting the Scriptures be uh, deep in us, and for us as men to be deep in the Scriptures. That's part of the basics. And it's, it's also uh, us as men being intentional uh, to have roots, to be anchored in community, to be anchored in the body of Christ. And when we are serious about the basics, there will be good fruit. There will be. I mean, this is exactly what Jesus is talking about in John 15. This is where I want to start tonight. John chapter 15. I think Jesus is calling his disciples back to the basics. 
In John 15, these are some of Jesus' final words to his friends. He's just about to be arrested and crucified and hung on the cross. And so he gathers his, his disciples close to him. And he has some things to say to them that are really, really weighty. So let's, let's read this together. John 15, starting in verse 1. Jesus said, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I mean, we could go on, but I'll just tell you, he keeps saying that word, remain. Abide in me. I don't think Jesus could be any more clear, do you? I mean, it was like he was, he was underlining this and circling it. I mean, he was doing whatever he could to just simply say, remain in me. I'm the vine, you are the branches, and if you want your life to really count and last, you want the work of your life to count for something, then remain in me. And as you do that, you're going to bear fruit. Now, Jesus said, I am the true vine. This is, this is one of the seven I am statements that Jesus made in the Gospels. He, he, he made seven declarations regarding who he was, all right? Let's see if we can name these. Are you up for it? Is your brain going? Okay, let's see if we can name the seven. If we can collectively name the seven, I will give you guys a free meal in the last night, okay? <laughs> Just I'm feeling generous, all right? So yell them out. What are the seven I am statements? I am the salt. Of the, yes, I am the vine. Come on, Mr. Bobo. But there's two. I, I am the salt. I am the bread of life. There's three. Come on, we're cruising. I am the light of the world. That's four. I am the, the way, the truth, and the life. That's five. Oh, come on, Ken. Before Abraham was, I am. And there's one more. I am the good shepherd. Come on, give yourselves a hand. That was impressive. Nice job. So in John 15, when Jesus said, I am the true vine, that was the seventh statement. And he was using this metaphor. It was a metaphor that goes back also uh, to the Old Testament. It was, a, it was something that uh, Israel was often compared to. The prophets would all often uh, speak to Israel and say, you're, a, you're a, 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 a fruitless vine and you're a wild vine. And so this is language that people were very familiar with. And so Jesus takes this metaphor and he applies it to himself. And he says, I am the true vine. So, so think about this. What does it look like for you in your daily life as a man with a lot of responsibilities? What does it look like for you to abide in the true vine? What might that look like for you? With everything else you have going on, what would it look like for you to prioritize your connection with Jesus above all else? I think this is exactly what he's getting at. Jesus is saying, above all else, 
abide in me, stay connected in me, cultivate this deep friendship with me. And as you do that, your life will bear fruit. But this is something that we've all heard. I, I would be surprised if there are very many people at all in this room. Probably, I don't know if there's anybody in this room who would say, well, I've never heard that before. We've heard this. In a way, we know this, but how easy is it for us to lose sight of this? When Jesus was as clear as he possibly could have been about the importance of staying connected, remaining in him. We know it, but it's easy for us to lose sight of this. Now, I I like this because it brings such a clarity to life, doesn't it? This idea that Jesus is saying, remain in me, come to me. Abide in me. Because as we navigate life, as we live in this culture, this culture can, can cause us to feel disoriented. It can cause us to kind of feel dizzy and spun around. And in the middle of all of this, Jesus leans into us and he says, here, right here. Look at me. Yes, I know that's stressful. Yes, I know that's concerning. But look at me. Look at me. Remain in me. And that brings a clarity to life. It orients us back to the true reality, which is Jesus being the true vine. Now, would you agree, or is this just me? Okay, I'm going to be honest. Let's just see if anybody else in here is willing to agree with me. That in life, it's easy to drift from the true vine and begin to try to draw life from substitute vines. Anybody else agree with that? I mean, this is just the reality that we have to name and face and be aware of. We live in a world, we live in a culture where it's easy for us to begin to drift and just naturally begin to look for other substitute vines to try to draw something from, draw security from draw life from. And I think it's crucial, guys, that we often ask ourselves the question, are there any substitute vines in this season of my life that I'm trying to attach to? And may we allow God to illuminate if there are and so I think, I think that's important to say, God, are there any substitute vines in this season of my life that I'm trying to attach to? But I also think it's important to zoom out and look at your life story and consider over, your, over the years, your life story, what are the vines, the, the false vines that you have been most prone to going to, to try to draw something from? We all have them, but are we willing to actually look at them and name them and be honest about them? When I, when I look at my life, there are plenty of false vines over the years that I've gone to, just trying to pull some kind of security from. And it's like God has been incredibly gracious to me and patient and faithful, just showing me, you don't, that's not a, you're not going to get anything out of that vine. And you're not going to get anything out of that vine. But here I am. When I think about my life story and, 
this, this idea of what are the vines that I've gone to, these false vines. You know, I can, I can, name, I can name them. Uh, but one of them started pretty early for me. It was when I was about a teenager. And I'll tell you a quick story to illustrate this. When I was about 16 years old, me and a buddy, uh, there was a Saturday, and we said, hey, what do you want to do today? Let's, he said, let's, let's go and drive to Atwood and watch this uh, volleyball tournament. And we were big volleyball fans at 17. <laughs> and so I said, okay, yeah, let's do it. Let's go watch some volleyball. And so we spent about eight hours in a high school gymnasium watching high school girls play volleyball. And so afterwards, we went out to eat. And when we were leaving the restaurant, we, we walk out of the restaurant and in pulls this bus full of those same girls we were just watching play volleyball. And my friend looks at me and he said, let's go talk to them. And I said, no way. He goes, I'm going. And so he starts to just march across the parking lot. He's, he's walking up to this bus. And I didn't want to be the guy, you know, like just standing by myself. Uh, so I, I just kind of sheepishly followed him. And we come up to the side of this bus. And one by one, the windows start coming, coming down. You know those windows? You had to kind of pinch them together and bring them down. And so this is happening one by one by one. It was like a scene at a Dumb and Dumber, you know? These <laughs> girls poking their heads out the side of the bus. And they looked at us, and one of them said, now they were from a different town, had no idea who they were, were standing next to the bus looking up at them. And one of these girls poking her head out the window said, I know you. You're Gabe Jenkins, the wrestler. And in that moment, I went from five foot six to about six foot five. I was like, and, and they started kind of chuckling and chuckling. But when I look back at that, here's what I realized. I started to try to seek something uh, in the vine of maybe notoriety, trying to impress girls. Because I tasted of something. I was like, oh, that tastes good. And so then when I got into college, so I was trying to impress these women, I was trying to, to make a name for myself with these girls because I thought, oh, that's a vine that I'm going to be able to attach to and it's going to be fulfilling to me. And God had to take me on this long journey where I realized and I repented over and over again. And I came back to this place where it's like, Jesus, <laughs> there are no other vines. Besides you is the true vine. And it was a long process. But the key was just being honest. The key was being willing to repent to God, being willing to name these false vines, call them what they are. And here's what I began to discover more and more. The more I would repent of these false vines, being attached, being anchored in a way to the wrong vines, I would begin to discover the kindness of Jesus in a fresh way. Here's the thing about repentance, all right? Think about this. 
Repentance is so powerful when it comes to breaking some of those attachments for the false vines, but repentance also begins to anchor us in God. Because as we begin to drift, as we begin to wander, that repentance brings us right back into alignment. And then as men, right, we can begin to kind of drift and wander again, but repentance brings us right back into alignment. And if we're willing to just repent often, it, that, the very act of repentance actually becomes an anchor for us to remain in alignment, rooted in God. Just last week, I was repenting of something in my heart. It's like, Lord, I'm so sorry. This is in my heart. I'm aware of it. And this is what Jesus said. He goes, come here. And he had, he had a smile on his face. I just, it was, I could sense in my spirit the kindness of Jesus, that I'm repenting, Lord, forgive me for, for having this in my heart. And I met with, with kindness from Jesus. It wasn't condemnation. It's not Jesus being stern and wagging a finger. It's just the kindness of Jesus constantly directing us back. Right here, right here, look back to me. And that is something that he is doing for all of us. Do you know that throughout your day, Jesus is continually calling for your attention? He's continuing continually wanting to draw your attention back to his very face. That God is always saying, come here, son, look at me. Look right here. Look right here. You know, A.W. Tozer writes about this. He talks about the gaze of the soul. And he writes and he says, when we turn the gaze of our soul to the face of God, we will be met with kind and loving eyes. David writes about this idea of seeking the very face of God, the face of the Lord. In Psalm 27, David writes, You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. What a powerful picture. Seeking the face of Jesus. And when we do that, when the gaze of our soul kind of locks on to the face of God, we're met with kindness, we're met with grace, we're met with mercy, we're met with love, we're met honestly with a smile. I'm convinced of that, that men, if we had any idea how much God, the perfect Father, smiles at you, I think you'd be shocked. And I get it, I know for some of you, for many of you, this is such a foreign concept when you hold that against your own experience growing up. But it doesn't change the reality that we have a God who's crazy about you and who's deeply kind to you. And we have a God who is so passionate about getting some quality face-to-face time with you. God showed me a picture of this a couple years ago. My son is five now, but when he was two, as a father, 
I wanted just a few moments once in a while where the, the, the two-year-old would stop being a two-year-old and he would just like look at me in the face. And we could have a father-to-son moment. And he was just into everything and he was go, 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 go. And I, I couldn't get him to slow down very often and actually look at me and have a father-to-son like powerful, awesome moment. And so I had to come up with a game. And the game was, I said, Owen, let's have a stare-off. I challenge you to a stare-off. And even at two, he would respond to any kind of competition. Okay, Dad, let's do this. And so here's the picture. I'll put this on the screen. This is Owen in his diaper, slowing down just enough where he would look me in the eyes and we would have about 7.5 seconds. <laughs> and I'll tell you, those were the best 7.5 seconds of the day. And then I would always let him win. And then he would just kind of finish with this. He would kind of lean into me. And that was kind of his victory celebration pose. In fact, just this was funny. Last night I said, oh, and I'm going to show a picture to a room full of, of men of you in your diaper. <laughs> and he gave me that look like, dad, that's embarrassing. This is, this is no joke. A couple moments later, his expression changed and he said, are you going to tell him I won? <laughs> yes, Owen. I'll tell him you won. But you know, this game is something that God has, has used to help me understand his nature. Like, I am far from perfect as a father. And as an imperfect father, if my heart melts at just a couple of seconds of face-to-face -face time with my son, how much more does the heart of our perfect father melt when you look at him? Now, you might be thinking, well, if I was more righteous, maybe. If I didn't struggle with this, maybe. Do you think... I required Owen to do everything right no. to be able to do that. And I'm imperfect. I was after time with my son. In these moments, I'm not thinking about what he did. And believe me, there was a lot that he did. I wasn't thinking about that. I'm looking at my son saying, I'm crazy about you and you have no idea. And right into that, situation the father speaks I know I'm crazy about you and so I want to encourage you guys just let's just take a few moments here close your eyes this idea of being anchored in God it starts with a very real relationship it's not religion, it's not theory, it's relationship with Jesus.
And relationship with Jesus requires this authentic, uh, this authenticity in terms of how we engage him. And so we're just going to have a few moments here. And I want to invite Jason to come up here on the guitar. But I want to encourage you with, with eyes of faith to see Jesus with you in this very moment. He's not distracted. He's not ready to bring condemnation to you. I believe that what he wants is just a few moments where you will just look at him and just let him, let him love you. Let him smile at you. Let him show you his kindness and his nature and who he is. And so Jesus, thank you for your presence with us. Jesus, we turn our attention to you right now. We want to look upon your very face. Let's just maintain this posture of just looking upon the face of Jesus. I want to encourage you to just stand to your feet. Let's actually sing this song together. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I want to encourage you, just keep your eyes closed. And again, maintain this posture of Jesus is very present to you. He's locked into you in these moments.
thank you that you are so interested in relationship with us as your sons. God, every man in this room, every single man is the object of your affection. That when every man here just simply looks to you and fixes the gaze of their soul upon your face, you can't help but smile. You can't. And Father, we ask for grace that you would help us as men slow down and practice this. May we be men who practice stillness before you, quietness before you, Teach us to live under the smile of God, the delight of the Father. Teach us what that looks like. And so, Father, tonight our worship is just to smile back at you, to say we love you, we praise you, and we're so thankful for you. We do love you. Just in your own words, man, just right where you're at, would you just tell Jesus that you love him? that you're thankful for him, that you're thankful for his faithfulness in your life, thankful for his goodness in your life. When I was walking this room earlier today praying, Jesus said, what's, what, what's going to happen in this room tonight with these men is going to be such a pleasant aroma to him. It was like he was looking forward to these moments when you would turn your attention to him, turn your gaze to him. And here's the amazing thing, guys, is tomorrow at 9.30 when you're in the middle of your day, He's the same God saying, hey, look at me just for a few moments. Just look at me. Turn your gaze. I'm smiling at you still. And so may we just learn to just practice slowing down each day and doing this very thing, even if it's just for 10 seconds. Jesus, I want to look upon your face, and I want to let you love me here just in these moments. I want to let you smile at me. And may we just learn to receive that. And again, this may be hard for some of you, this idea of receiving it, but it's okay. Be patient. God's patient with you. He's not in a hurry. I think all he asks from us is that we come back and do it again. Even if you don't feel anything, it's not about feelings. Are you willing to just do it again? Turn your gaze upon him again and again. So here's the last thing. Would you just put your hand on the shoulder 
of a guy next to you. And just, let's just pray this over one another. That together we would be men who grow in our ability and our willingness to just gaze upon the face of Jesus. And so, Father, may that be true of us collectively as men. Father, we pray for the men around us, the man on our right and the man on our left. May 2019 be marked by this man looking upon your face and discovering your love in a fresh way, discovering your kindness in a fresh way. May 2019 be a year where the man on our right and left literally tastes and sees that the Lord is good. May it be true, Lord. May it be true. In Jesus' name, amen.